Hi there, this is the Rev. Michael Lowry, pastor of East Congregational United Church of Christ in Concord, New Hampshire, and this is Love to Tell the Story. Arise, shine, for your light has come. So says the prophet Isaiah, and as the season of Epiphany begins, a fitting call for you and I to celebrate how God's light has been revealed to the world in Jesus Christ. But the question is, are we truly prepared for the coming of that light? And have we responded to that light with all the hope and the pure joy that it brings? That's the subject of today's message, which is entitled, Practiced in Joy, and is based on those words from Isaiah that comes from chapter 60, verses 1 through 6. And it starts with the memory of a pure joy in my own life. I remember the moment as though it were yesterday. It was the fall of 1982. I was living in Holton up in Aroostook County, Maine, and I was serving as a student pastor of the church up there while commuting back and forth to seminary in Bangor. Now, I'd actually not been in town that long. In fact, I was still in the process of trying to get settled in at the church, in the community. I just got an apartment. I was trying to get that stocked with what I needed. And one day, I'd gone to the local drugstore to buy something or other. And as I put my items on the counter, the cashier looked at me for a long moment and then said, aren't you that new minister at the Congregational Church? Now, I was very surprised by the question, and I, my gut reaction was to nervously look around to make sure she wasn't talking to somebody else. But finally, I stammered back, yes, uh, that's me, I, I guess. And immediately, as I soon was to discover was and is a fairly common thing up in the county, this woman started talking to me like she had known me all my life. She wasn't a member of my church, she said, but she knew folks who were, and those congregationals, they're good people, don't you know? Especially dear old Mrs. Smith, Helen. She used to be my kindergarten teacher, you know. And isn't Holton a, a wonderful town, and, and you're really gonna like it here. That's how the conversation went. For a good 10 minutes or more, that's how we talked back and forth. And finally, as I started to leave, this woman still smiling from ear to ear, said to me, well, it was really nice to meet you. You have a nice day and God bless you, Pastor. I had barely made it out to the street when it hit me like a thunderbolt. She called me Pastor. For the very first time in my life, someone recognized me as the minister. Even all these years later, friends, I cannot adequately express to you how that felt. Now understand, it wasn't that there was this perfect stranger who, who had recognized who I was, nor did it have anything to do with being able to puff out my chest and say, look at me, everybody, I'm the new minister in town. Rather, it was this sudden realization that for the better part of a decade, since I was 15 years old, Everything in my life, spiritually, academically, even socially, had been focused on this singular calling, 
a calling that I sense to be of God, a calling that I should become a church pastor. And now here I was, standing on a sidewalk in the middle of downtown Holton, Maine, having been recognized as just that. It is no exaggeration, friends, to tell you that I was standing on the threshold of my life and the real a realization of this filled me with an incredible joy unlike anything I had ever experienced before. And it felt good. Let me tell you, if I could have jumped up and clicked my heels, I would have done it. Now, after close up to 40 years now in my vocation as a church pastor, I can tell you that I have felt that same kind of joy on many other occasions. Most certainly on my day of ordination, but also in the midst of other mostly seemingly random times and circumstances over the years. Worship services, weddings, even memorial services. Times when it has been clear that God is present on the proceedings and God is at work. And I'm suddenly newly aware that I am right where I am supposed to be in that moment. And also understand, it's not necessarily happiness that I'm talking about here, at least not happiness per se. Nor is it some fleeting joy that passes with the moment. But rather, what I'm talking about is a joy that's pervasive and lasting because it has been a long time in coming. It's a joy that's greatly anticipated because it's a joy that has been well-practiced. But then I, I suspect you know what I'm talking about, don't you? It's like when a child is born. It's not just the joy of the birth you feel, although that's very real. It's also the culmination of nine months of the child's growing in the womb. It's the joyous relief that comes in finally knowing that all is well and the baby is healthy. And, and make no mistake, the same thing applies for those who are seeking to adopt, the joy that's felt in the moment when everything comes together for a family is the joy that had its birthing, so to speak, long before the birth itself. Now, recent events notwithstanding, much the same thing can be said about the permutations of an ever-changing world. I'm put in mind, for instance, uh, of a newspaper photo that I saw online recently one that dates back, speaking of old times, to 1994. It is a picture of Nelson Mandela voting for the very first time in the South African election after years of apartheid rule in that country. Now, it was basically your standard issue news photo, except that in it, Mandela has this look of a, on his face of a kid on Christmas morning as he performed the very simple act of placing a voting card through a slot in a wooden box, something I dare say we take for granted in this country. There was a profound joy in his having voted, but even more so because that vote represented the fulfillment of generations worth of hopes and struggles and work towards freedom. So when this joy finally came to pass, Mandela and so many others in South Africa knew it for what it was. Nobody had to tell them what to feel or how to react. 
for this was a moment they had anticipated for years. Even amidst the times and situation when they, there seemed to be no hope that a, a moment would ever come to pass. When the moment finally did happen, you see, they were well practiced in the joy of it. Well, that's what this morning's scripture is all about. It's about joy well practiced and joy fulfilled. Arise, shine, the prophet Isaiah proclaims. Stand up and shine, as Kay read it to us. For your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. Lift up your eyes and look around. Then you will see and be radiant. Your heart will thrill and rejoice. <coughs> I love this passage. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> I love this passage. Everything about it carries an air of proclamation and triumph. And although those words were written many generations before the birth of Christ, it does seem to bring something of a fitting closure to our retelling of the Christmas story over these past few weeks. Did you notice that there's even talk of kings coming into the brightness of dawn and of camels, a multitude of camels, we're told, bringing gold and frankincense. All sounds very familiar, doesn't it? And it's one reason that this passage is traditionally read along with the story of the Magi on the day of Epiphany. But even though this passage is full of celebration and triumph, we need to understand that for those for whom those words were originally intended, life was anything but triumphant. Now this is another portion of Old Testament scripture that can and should be viewed in a couple of different contexts. Historically, this passage which is addressed to Israel in the years just after their exile to Babylon returning home to Jerusalem only to find that city in ruins and, and finding that their lives were going to be as hard, if not harder, than before. And spiritually, of course, we, are, we view this passage prophetically, anticipating the coming of a Messiah, of light entering into a darkened world in the person of Jesus Christ. It's the promise that God's glory will be seen in the midst of his people and that the life of those people will be restored, and that they will be honored amongst all the nations. And so when the prophet says unto Israel, Arise, shine, your light has come. It's a promise that is in fact not yet, but still is so very real, so very close, so immediate to them in that moment that their joy is already full and triumphant in its expression. And so when Jerusalem is restored, when the Messiah does come, it will be the fulfillment of something they already know. Not unlike how we know before it happens that the sun will rise in the darkness of an eastern sky to bring forth the dawning of a new day. When God's presence brings joy and hope into the darkness of their despair, their oppression and grief, they will know 
that presence for exactly what it is. No one will need to tell them what to do. No one will need to tell them how to act. They know what they have to do. They will rejoice because they've already been well-practiced in it. They've already been well-practiced in that joy. Actually, you know, it occurs to me as we come to the end now of yet another Christmas tide that perhaps this is part of our problem collectively regarding Christmas, or for that matter, regarding our faith in these days of very confused situations. The fact is, friends, we are not always, if at all, practiced in joy. Oh, make no mistake, we, we've heard the familiar words of Christ's birth. We know of light coming into the darkness, but are those words real to us? And do they stay close to our hearts? We've celebrated the promise of joy to the world, all right, at least as much as time and, and pandemic has allowed us this year. But the truth of it is this joy of which we speak often gets put away as quickly and easily as do our decorations come the 1st of January. How does this happen to us, friends? That's my question. How does it happen? How does the advent of God into our world become something we can put in a box and place up into the attic? Isn't that word a promise and hope as much for us now as it was for Israel so long ago? Aren't we the people who are supposed to arise and shine for our light has come? Isn't it that the glory of the Lord is risen upon us? Have we somehow forgotten that the glory of the Lord comes to us even now in the birth, the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ? That Christmas is merely an expression of what we know to be true as God's people 365 days a year and in every year of life now and eternally. And that peace on earth, goodwill to all people is more than merely some verse on a greeting card, but serve as the very principles by which you and I are called to live and, might I add, to govern ourselves? Now, perhaps more than ever in our history, friends, we need to proclaim the joy that is ours in the coming of the Lord. A joy that is made manifest in the Lord's love and his sacrifice and his mercy and his goodness and his salvation. But also we need to proclaim that it must be practiced in a way where Christ lives within us and among us. In a way that his work becomes our work as persons, as people, and most especially as the church. We know all too well, do we not, that we live in a world severely lacking in hope and woefully unpracticed in joy. And as though we needed another reminder of this, the horrific events at the Capitol building in Washington this past week served to show us, amongst other things, that in such a sinful and divided world as this, peace on earth does not always prevail. Truly, amongst the great ironies, to say nothing of the great sacrilege of the violence that took place on Wednesday, 
He said it happened on January the 6th, the day of Epiphany. Our Christian celebration of God's light being revealed to the world in Jesus Christ, who was the Prince of Peace. And as sad as it is for me to say here, friends, especially as someone who truly loves and believes in this country, at the end of the day, it ended up as a stark reminder that our first allegiance and our hope as believers can never rest unto the government. No matter who we voted for, it doesn't rest in the government. Or even unto the nation itself. But our allegiance can ever and only be unto God and in Jesus Christ our Lord. And it is from that allegiance that everything else in our lives and in our world needs to proceed. And in that regard, there is something important for us to remember as the world seems to continue spinning out of control. In truth of fact, uh, I realize it's the same message that we've been hearing again and again and again in recent weeks, that God is with us. The meaning of Jesus' name, Emmanuel, God is with us as we go out into the world. To quote Halford Luckett, the great 20th century Methodist commentator, one of my favorites actually, the first words of the Christmas message from the sky, he wrote, were fear not. And those are still good words for these days of jittery, fearful apprehension. These are the words, my dear friends, that we need to take to heart right now. Fear not, friends, for God is with us in the uncertainty of life in these times. Fear not, for whatever struggles come our way as persons, as people, as a nation in this year to come, we are not alone but we stand in the presence of a Savior who will carry our burdens on his shoulders. Fear not, for even in those moments when the darkness of this world surrounds us, we have been given a light that will burn brightly and can never be overcome. Fear not, for we will be given the vision and the strength not only to love one another as the Lord has loved us, but also to love those that the world has chosen not to love. Fear not. In fact, even now, let us arise and shine and rejoice. For despite all worldly appearances to the contrary, your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. Christ is working in us, through us, and around us, even now, even now. And that is reason enough for us to be practicing the joy of it in all that we do. Beloved, let us be well practiced in joy. So when the advent of God comes in its fullness, we will know it for what it is. And no one will need to tell us what to do or how to act. We will just simply Rejoice. Thanks be to God in Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. And that's the message entitled Practiced in Joy 
It was recorded as part of our January the 10th, 2021 online service of worship at East Church. To which, I hasten to add, you are cordially invited to join us live each and every Sunday morning at 10 o'clock by logging on to Facebook Live on our East Congregational Church Facebook page. We really would love to have you be with us. And with that, we're at the end of this episode of Love to Tell the Story. This is Michael Lowry, and I do thank you for listening. And until next time, stay safe, be well, and may God bless you with a great day every day. Talk to you soon.